Hi there. You're listening to Lindisfarne Anglican Church's Sermon Podcast, a place where you can hear God's Word preached if you weren't able to join us at one of our services during the week. My prayer for you today is that as you listen to this message, you'd be challenged, encouraged, and equipped to live as a disciple of Christ in the world. May God richly bless you as you listen to this message today. As I said last night, for those of you who might have been at our uh, community carols, there are two types of people in the world, those who love carols and those who hate carols. And I heard this morning that there's some debate as to uh, where some fit on the spectrum. Uh, But uh, I think as we reflect on uh, the carols of Christmas over the next uh, few weeks, uh, one of two things could happen to us. Our attendance could skyrocket uh, because people realise it's a chance to get so much more carol in their life. Uh, or uh, they could plummet uh, as people think, oh, goodness me, uh, I can't think of anything I'd rather do less than not only sing carols, but think about them as well. Uh, so we'll see uh, how it goes. But uh, a, a little bit of uh, why we're doing it, we're, we are in the season of Advent uh, and it's a season of preparation. Uh, and uh, it's important to kind of stop, I think, particularly in this season of the church calendar, Uh, and reflect because uh, there's all sorts of preparation that the world kind of foists upon us at this time of year. Uh, The preparation for Christmas parties, the preparation for family visits, the preparation to go and visit family, preparations for uh, what comes after Christmas with the new year. Uh, Lots and lots of busyness in December, isn't there? But with Advent, we're encouraged... Uh, I think to just pause in the in the midst of that craziness and busyness and all the preparations we've got to do, uh, and to step back and to just remind ourselves of of what what this is really all about. That it's not about friends and family and presents and food, but it's about the coming of the Lord Jesus to dwell with us, and about His return again one day to call to account all of us for the way we've lived our lives. Well, uh, as we seek to try and do that each Sunday in the middle of Advent, to pause and reflect in the midst of the busyness, uh, I thought it's something I'd always thought about doing uh, and never had the chance to, and so I thought, this is the year. Uh, we'll, We'll pause and we'll reflect on these Christmas carols reflect on some of the more famous words that we sing and try and think a little more deeply uh, about words that we can often just uh, sort of gel over without even really thinking about. They're so familiar to us uh, that we can sometimes miss the the really great, true and deep meaning uh, that sits behind them. Uh, And as we do that, I hope that that will provide for you more moments of, of pause and reflection. So, say, every time from now until Christmas that you hear Hark the Herald Angels Sings on the radio or in the shops or in your own homes, you'll be able to pause and remember something of what we've talked about today. We are talking about Hark the Herald Angels Sing, and I guess it's uh, interesting to just trace a little of the history of the song before we think about what it actually says. And, uh, of course, it was a song that was penned by the late Charles Wesley, a famous Christian minister, uh, in 1739. It it appeared in a book called Hymns and Sacred Poems. Uh, 
Uh, and it's quite interesting because though it was penned by Charles Wesley, what we have today uh, doesn't really reflect, uh, uh, it reflects a lot of, but not, not really completely what Charles Wesley had intended. For Wesley, as he penned this tune, uh, this, these words, uh, asked that it have a slow and solemn uh, kind of uh, lyric, uh, a tune. He wanted it not to be sort of joyful but solemn. So there you go, that's interesting. Uh, and not only that, uh, but his version began like this. Hark how all the well king rings, glory to the king of kings. So he didn't even really write Hark the Herald Angels Sings because it wasn't even in his, uh, in his original carol. He began it with Hark how all the well king rings, glory to the, new, the king of kings. Now you might say, what on earth is a welkin? Uh, which is what I wondered when I read those words, and it is in fact an old English word referring to the heavens. So effectively what Charles Wesley, how he began this hymn was, uh, uh, listen to what the heavens declare, the glory of the King of Kings. Of course, obviously it would seem that maybe Welkin uh, wasn't that popular a word even in Charles Wesley's day, uh, because it was very quickly altered. Uh, And a guy called uh, George Whitfield, who was uh, a fellow worker with Charles Wesley and a great preacher in his day, he edited the beginning of the song to the words that we currently have today, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. He obviously, he, he decided that that was a little bit more clear. This is say, listen to what the angels are saying, glory to the king, glory to the newborn king. Uh, and then uh, the tune had a bit of a, a, a journey from solemn and slow. Uh, it got into the hands of Mendelssohn, uh, who uh, composed a tune. And then this other English fellow called William Cummings also got his hands on it. Uh, and we now have the tune that we sing today. And so if you look in your hymn book, uh, you can see that, that at the top of the hymn, it's got Mendelssohn and, and Cummings credited for the tune. And down the bottom, it's got Wesley. And really, I think... Uh, we should all get our little pencils out and add Whitfield as well, seeing as he added uh, the, the famous, most famous part of the hymn to it. Uh, but of course, whilst that's all very interesting, uh, what really matters is the message of this carol. And of course, it finds its uh, genesis in Luke's Gospel in chapter 2, verses 10 to 14. Let me read that to you. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and peace to those on whom his favour rests. And so... The first verse really is a, a, a cause for celebration of this, this fact that happened, that the, the angels appearing and, and singing glory to the newborn king. It's a poetic retelling really of the story. Uh, and it's a story that we, we see in this first verse is a story of good news. Christ is born in Bethlehem and this is good news because God and sinners are reconciled. This is, I think, the, the, the key to this first verse, the key perhaps to the whole carol. That it's not just that a baby was born and isn't that nice, 
But this is the baby who brings reconciliation between God and sinner, between you and me and God. All of us who failed to live up to God's standards now find in this coming of the Christ child hope, a way for our sins to be forgiven, a way for us to be made right with God, for us to be reconciled. And so... It's only right, isn't it, that it it strikes such a joyful note as the song begins, reminding us of the great glory and wonder of this thing that God has done. Now, it's interesting, isn't it, because many of us know that Christmas is a time for celebration, but it's very easy, isn't it, in the busyness of the season for secondary things to become primary. So we celebrate our families, we celebrate uh, the gifts we get, we celebrate the holidays, we celebrate the end of a year, we celebrate... Uh, there's you know, so many things that we, can, that we can celebrate at Christmas and they're all wonderful. And yet, of course, what really matters is that this is a time where we remember God and sinners can be reconciled. I think it's possible, isn't it, that you could spend from the 1st of December till Christmas and even then beyond till New Year's Day uh, in in sort of endless party mode. Uh, Between sort of community carol events, the the events of uh, uh, celebration events at church, your work Christmas do, your social clubs Christmas do, your sports club, like you could just go on and on and on from event to event to event having a wonderful old time. Of course, all that would be for naught, wouldn't it, if Jesus returned in the middle of December and you hadn't responded to him. You hadn't put your trust in him. You'd been too busy and distracted by all those secondary things that you'd failed to realise and remember. That without the newborn king, there is no peace. There is no reconciliation. There is no celebration. For we are sinners under God's wrath and judgment without Christ's reconciling death. In John's Gospel, we read these words, chapter 3, verse 36. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. The road to joining the angels in their rejoicing and singing of glory is simply to believe what Jesus did, to believe what the Bible says about him and then to join in with those angels in joy for this truth that God has reconciled us. So it's a joyful opening Uh, where we remember that Jesus' birth is cause for celebration because we are reconciled. Verse 2 moves on to the the, the fact of the incarnation. Well, what does that mean, you might ask? Well, we use the language of incarnation uh, occasionally in our regular lives when we talk about meeting famous people. So I want you to imagine that I've just gone for a walk down to Woolies, uh, down the road here, uh, and... uh, Uh, I come back up and I say, guess what? I just saw the Queen. And you say, what, on the TV or something? And I say, no, she was there in the flesh. And you think, that's 
bizarre, but okay, this guy's claiming that he literally saw the actual queen in real life right there in front of him. And when we, when we use those words like in the flesh, like I saw them in the flesh, we're, we're using incarnation language. Because you know that when I use that word, it means that I'm, I'm claiming to have seen something in real life. It's right there in front of me. The actual person. And that's what the incarnation describes. That we've seen God in the flesh actually there in the person of Jesus. Jesus, who as the carol reminds us, was born of a virgin. He is God made man, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. We see, the, we see who God is by looking at the man Jesus. In Jesus, God has come to dwell with us, with his people. He is Emmanuel, the carol says, a word that literally means God with us. And this verse reflects something of what we read in the opening of John's Gospel. Let me read verse 14 of chapter 1. John says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. I wonder if you've ever thought to yourself, I wonder what God is like. Or perhaps you've said, you've said or you've heard people say, I'd believe in God if he just showed himself to me in some clear way. Well, the good news of Christmas is that, that, that God actually answers both of these questions, what he's like and who he is. He reveals himself. Because in Jesus, in, in the incarnation, in God-made flesh, we see exactly what God is like. You want to know what God is like? You look at Jesus, you read the stories of Jesus and you see God, his character, his compassion, his, the seriousness with which he takes sin. All of these things you see in the person of Jesus as you read his, the story of the Gospels. And you want God to reveal himself clearly, well, you have a look at Jesus. It doesn't get any clearer than putting himself in flesh. He became a human being and walked among us. Now, it's a fair point uh, someone might put, push back at me and say, well, look, it's not that clear. It was 2,000 years ago. And yet I would say that nonetheless, we have a historically verifiable person who's had a massive impact on world history. And that's not surprising given the claim that he was God in flesh. Jesus' birth is a cause for celebration, not only because of that reconciling death that he ultimately grows up to give us on the cross, but also because of who he is, God in flesh, the one who reveals what God is like and who God is. Final verse, verse 3, and it's a verse that focuses on the new life we have in Christ. We are raised from death to life. Because of the birth of Jesus and his life, death and resurrection. We are born again, that is we are given second birth as the carol puts it. We are given life eternal. All these things come to the believer when we trust in the Lord Jesus and submit our lives to him. This third verse reflects on the parts of uh, the Bible like we read in John's Gospel in chapter 3. You may know the story there, a Pharisee named Nicodemus 
comes to Jesus and he wants to find out more about who, this, who, who Jesus is. And in the course of that conversation, uh, Jesus says to Nicodemus uh, in verse 3 of chapter 3, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And Nicodemus gets a bit confused about this. What do you mean born again? I, I think his mind goes to sort of the mechanics of an, a grown man kind of trying to climb back into the womb and he's sort of like getting a bit grossed out by the whole thing. Uh, and Jesus can kind of see what's going on uh, and, and he goes on to explain to Nicodemus that what we need is a spiritual rebirth, that we need the Holy Spirit to open our eyes to who Jesus is. And then at the end of the conversation uh, uh, that Jesus has with Nicodemus, uh, uh, John gives us these famous words in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. When the Spirit goes to work in our hearts, we can't help but see the beauty of the Christmas story, of the Easter story, of the story of Jesus. We can't help but realise that there's more to life than simply living in the here and now. We can't help but realise that with Jesus we are promised an eternity of perfection with our maker, with God. Christmas is a time of joy and rejoicing, not only because God came to earth, not only because Jesus won forgiveness of our sins, but because with Jesus we see what it is to truly live and we receive real life, eternal life, in the here and now. Well, as we do enter this sort of crazy season of December, uh, I can tell you that I've got mixed feelings about Christmas carols. Uh, On the one hand... I think it absolutely wonderful that we can have events like we had last night where we can get, I don't know how many people it was, 800, 1,000 people gathering on the lawns of Simmons Park uh, to sing a mixture of songs about Santa but also sing a heap of songs about Jesus and they can invite me to come and give a talk and it's, and it's, a, it's a great time in our nation's life where Jesus can just pop up all the time in conversation and, and he pops up in songs and he's, he, he's on the lips of, of many people at this time of year. And it's wonderful and it's a great opportunity uh, uh, for us. And yet at the same time, I think nothing speaks more clearly of the spiritual blindness that besets many when they can sing words Like hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled, and simply shrug their shoulders and get on with whatever's next on their to-do list. That you can sing the wonders of salvation and that have no effect on you is so tragic and we ought to pray for God's spirit to move powerfully amongst our friends and neighbours and nation, that as they hear the gospel proclaimed in carol after carol after carol, that God's spirit would give them eyes to see. I hope that as we reflect on Christmas, as we reflect on these Christmas carols, 
that we'll be able to spend some time preparing ourselves. As we reflect over the next four weeks on a few different carols, this might help us to to, to really, truly, deeply remember what it is that this time of life is all about. And it might help us to have some conversations with our friends who are singing these carols. I pray that as we reflect, you will find your spirit renewed by God's spirit and that you will experience the joy and peace and love and mercy that comes not from the silly season, but from the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. May God bless you richly this Christmas as you reflect and prepare for his coming again. Hey there, thanks so much for listening to this message today. I hope you're encouraged by God as he spoke to you by his Holy Spirit. Please head to our website if you'd like more information about our church, www.lindisfarneanglican.org.au or like us on Facebook by searching Lindisfarne Anglican. We are a church for Lindisfarne, making disciples of Jesus. God bless.